Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Okay, hi, good morning. I'm Andrea. I am a compulsive overeater from San Francisco. And um, uh, I share my experience, strength, and hope. And if you don't like my story, find another one. You know, it's just my truth, and it's all I've got. And I am extremely grateful today to be a recovering compulsive overeater and to have found Overeaters Anonymous probably 36 years ago. Um, What it was like, I came into these rooms. I was a cardiac nurse and my blood pressure was about 160 over 110. If you don't know what that is, it's not good. And I was in my 30s. Um, I had seen a um, fellow nurse die of this um, obesity and this disease at 49. Um, And somehow I knew that would be me and that was my higher power telling me I needed to get help. It only took me two years. So anyway, and um, I got here. And the only thing I've done perfectly is I've never left. I came in, my top weight I know of is 300. And um, I didn't get there eating carrots and celery. And I'm not going to talk about what I used to eat or how I got to be that big because you guys all know how to do that, you know. And so I don't go into foodathons. Um, suffice it to say, I had a healthy appetite. And I th- would say that food was my friend, my companion, my celebration, my solace. And um, just about everything. And I, by the time, right before I got into this program, I had told my friends that we aren't going to talk about what I eat or what I weigh. And if that isn't okay, they couldn't be my friend. And I was that hard and thorough about it. And I quite frankly could not imagine my life without my substances. It was unimaginable to me. You know, and um, at my first meeting, well, when I became a nurse, this is how I think, they said, is that first day of nursing school, any concerns? Um, Yeah, what if I kill someone? And then my first day in OA, no just desserts chocolate cake ever again. So, you know, something distinctly comes into my head and that was, that, was, that was my question, you know, of all the things I could have asked. And, and that was a long time ago. Um, when I came into program, there was something called a gray sheet. Everybody kind of was supposed to eat a certain way. And to me, it looked like a diet. It still looks like a diet to me. And my, I was defined as having a weight problem when I was in my family when I was four years old. And I was sent to therapy. You know, and I was, I was on every single weight loss regime you c- could imagine and was offered great amounts of money to lose weight and all that. And it was how I was defined. When you start at four years old, you are your weight. And um, I know they were scared for me and I know they didn't know as much about 
dieting then, I, I like to share a couple of highlights of, of the, the things I went through. The first would be when you're morbidly obese, of course. It was scary to go down the street because people felt like they could comment on it. And there were a lot of assumptions made about obese people. And I think there still are to some extent that I'm somehow weak-willed, that I, you know, if I, I could just get it, you know, why can't she get it together, et cetera. Or what a pretty face, you know. And um, those things did, did not really help me. Um, I remember some of the more humiliating things were, well, getting on a scale, of course, but um, I don't do that anymore, actually. And when I go to the doctor, I do do it for myself, but it defined me for so long. I just said, I'm not going to the doctor because if I have all my clothes on and my boots and they weigh me and I'm four pounds over, I'm like, oh my God. So that's, it, if it would be helpful, you can say, I don't weigh myself. But that, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do, people don't know that. So I remember um, going to something called Take Off Pounds Sensibly. It was a club for losing weight. And the most humiliating thing is that if you gained weight, you had to say, oink, oink, Andrea, pig am I. At least the scales say so. I know these scales, they do not lie. And my mom sent me there out of love, you know, and... And the other thing that I'll say was kind of humiliating was they sent me to a gym in an old, in those days, maybe if you saw it, I love Lucy, you had that, that little thing that you put around your hips, a little vibrator, and it, it shook you. And I passed out, you know. So um, anyway, I could go on and on about what it was like and all the things, but, you know, I'm not there. I'm not there today, by the grace of God. And... Um, like I said, the only thing I did perfectly was not leave. I found the wimpiest sponsor I could find. And I was, I ran my life. I had a look that um, could say, don't F with me. And I thought that was a very thing to be proud of. And I um, ran my life. I was told from a very young age that I always knew what to do. And they told me I was going to be a nurse. My grandma told me that, but she didn't tell me till after I went to four years of psychology class. So I've got two degrees. I said, she could have told me then, but I wouldn't have believed her. So anyway, um, I, um, my, my life was about walking into the room in my house on any given day and figuring out, what mood is dad in? What does mom need? What does my brother need? How am I going to do this? And I had my care plans, you know, how to keep the peace. Um, not really a fun childhood, you know. And in terms of faith, since this is about faith, I was raised Jewish. And um, I was bought mitzvah. I was confirmed. I could pray in Hebrew. And my parents went to, to temple, but nowhere in that upbringing was there fellowship and compassion and a sense of belonging. And I would say that looking back, my parents really did not know how to have relationships and I had no role model. I knew how to be in control and be the boss. And um, that was my life until I came here. And I was lucky to have a few good friends and lovers, partners who actually saw beyond that. 
And one was even asked, you're such a nice person. How can you be her friend? And they said, I see her. You don't know her. I see her. So my higher power brought me here through that patient I told you about and has been with me all along. And um, it, it, people say to me, you know, who knew me, because I was very scary and angry when I came in. And a lot of people told me they were scared, scared of me in these rooms, you know, that, you know, and people who aren't in these rooms would say, oh, you look great, how did you do it? And I say, it took an act of God. And they think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. If I could have done it, if shame, guilt, remorse, diets, clubs, everything would have worked, I would have been Twiggy. And if you don't know who that is, she was a skinny model and I was never a skinny model. The only good thing I'll say about being, being obese as a child and all your life is that you can never, you don't ever have to mourn your bikini figure because you never had it. I never had it, so I didn't lose it. And um, getting to the present in this program, that was what it was like. I came here, I lied, I, I, um, I spoke at the 11th step. When we got to the 11th step, I actually it was the first time I opened my mouth in a meeting. I started at step one, so it was 11 weeks. And I read that prayer that said, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace that where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, discord, harmony, et cetera, et cetera. And my first comment to that was, you have got to be a fool and a pansy. If you do that, people are going to walk all over you. And I didn't get it at all. And um, early on, um, in a way at that time, which was a long time ago, if you weren't eating a certain way and you weren't abstinent, it was like almost like your relapse or your inability to get it was contagious. And they didn't, people didn't want to talk and you were, you felt like there was, you should not be in those rooms. And from that came the whole 12 step within movement, which addresses relapse and recovery. There's lots of literature about it and it's basically welcome back. There's a seat in this room for everyone. You know, and I will, I know that the only requirement it's just desire to stop eating compulsively. And when I came in, I honestly did not have a desire to stop eating compulsively. I just didn't want to be fat and it still worked. So um, that's, that's, that's my truth. Um, I, I lied to my sponsor. I didn't, I, I manipulated her and um, eventually and I became active in the 12 step with men in um, movement within San Francisco, which was happening worldwide and region wide. And for five years, we did all the first retreats. We did all the, we did all the work around here. And there were 10 of us on this committee. And it, it kept me in program because I always have to have a cause. In those days, I have to have, have a cause. And so it made this place safe for me and many others, and I, it made me um, stay. So in the 
Um, I've worked the steps many times on a daily basis. Right now, since COVID, I seem to be going to, um, to uh, meetings almost every day on Zoom. And um, the 7 a.m. ones in San Francisco are my home meeting. They're seven days a week. Um, it's a good way to start my day. I sponsor. I have sponsors. Um, I have a spiritual practice. I have a plan of action. I have a plan of eating. And um, I try to use as many tools as I can every day. Um, when I was a kid growing up, if you wanted to know about anything, there was the Book of Knowledge and the Encyclopedia, and it was these 12, there, there were books that you had on your shelf. And if you needed a reference, you went to them on anything, kind of like the internet now. But um, for me, the tools are my way of dealing with anything in life. The steps, the, the, the traditions, and the tools are my lifeline. And um, I I'm in that toolkit every day. And I believe I'm as, as powerless over food today as I was the day I walked in. It has been my story. I was 10 pounds when I was born. So I don't know if I was born with this and I won't debate, but um, I'm happy to say that um, I'm gonna spend the last five minutes on the steps. That's why I'm on the step specifically. Um, I'm happy to say that the promises that come through are true a lot for me. The first, and I want to speak about what my abstinence is, because my abstinence, I had a sponsor for 17 years, and I recently lost her about a month ago. And I was convinced that nobody could ever sponsor me because of what my abstinence is. And I prayed about it. And I was open, you know, and I shared at meetings that I lost my sponsor. And she didn't die or anything, and she's still in my life. So that's the good news. And um, so my abstinence is different than my food plan. My abstinence is I don't beat myself up. I don't diet. I don't purge. I don't overexercise. Um, and, you know, I don't start over. And in this, with this definition of abstinence, I will say that probably maybe right before COVID or maybe at the beginning of COVID, I said I was in relapse. And in by my definition of abstinence, because the other one is no secrets. And so much of my eating was about lying and secrets and dishonesty and thinking that the food you know, that I could keep, that, that I could eat and keep it to myself. And I noticed I was doing sneak eating and I knew, I noticed I was getting obsessed. And so I just, no moral issue, that's only, I just said, I think I'm in relapse and I'm, and I don't count days. I can say that I, I came in, I lost about 75 pounds in the first two years and I was stuck there. Then um, 
No, longer than that, for 12 years. The truth be known, I was stuck there for 12 years. And, um, and I just continued showing up and I, you know, I had sponsors and I did whatever I could. And if I knew what changed and where the willingness came from, I would tell you. If I could create the pill that gave me willingness, I would. But I only know that I didn't leave. And it was very, my, my sponsor would say something very sweet like, I was around 220 pounds. And uh, she would say, well, just try to envision yourself, you know, at less than 200. And I said, of course, and then I'll start speaking Japanese too, because that's how foreign it was to me to, um, to be beyond where I was. And I just never gave up. And um, the road gets narrower on what I can and can, could not eat in this program. The first abstinence I ever heard from somebody was a century person that had 200 pounds to lose and she had probably lost about 60. And she ate three chickens a day and nothing in between. And I went, my eyes popped out, you know. and. Um, and she lost weight. And um, I don't know what's right for anybody in terms of a food plan. I will say that one day at a time, I don't do sandwiches. I don't, do, I don't have bread in the house. I don't eat a lot of grains. I don't eat sugar one day at a time. And I'm not saying that tomorrow I wouldn't put a sandwich on my, on my food plan. Although I don't think God will have me do that. I don't think that, that that is probably in my best interest. But I do know that if I've made a plan and I'm out and I'm thinking, well, I just did a, you know, a six mile hike up the hill, I could have a sandwich and get away with it. It wasn't on my plan. So I, I um, have a new sponsor. I'm very grateful I found one that will accept my abstinence and, and I'm, I now have a plan of eating every day and I have an action plan that I send her every day. And I talk to her three times a week and I used to talk to my sponsor about every two weeks, but she doesn't know me, this new person. And this, I think sponsoring is one of the most intimate relationships there are. And it's how I learn to have relationships. And I learned to trust in these meetings. I didn't trust anybody. I got the message very early on that nobody's gonna ever love me. Nobody's gonna ever take care of me and I better learn to take care of myself. And by God, I did, you know? And um, what OA has given me besides a healthy body, a relationship with a higher power, is actual every day I try to find out if my heart is open. And what that means is that I have compassion, that I have love, that I have acceptance of other people. And when I die on my grave, and I always say this, I just wanted to say, she knew how to have a friend and be a friend. And it was as hard to have a friend as to be a friend when I came in here because I had no model for equal relationships and I had no model 
for unexception, unaccept, unconditional love and acceptance and understand. Sorry to interrupt. I don't know that you heard the five minute warning, but now it's at the end of the share. I didn't hear the five minute warning. Okay, I pray, I meditate on a daily basis. I couldn't do it without my higher power. I'm sorry I didn't hear the five minute warning. And um, suffice it to say that for me and for any of you, your higher power can be defined any way you want. And mine is a she. And um, she is the loving, fairy godmother, unconditional loving, accepting mother who is always with me and says, it's okay, honey, you're fine. And I love you no matter what. Thank you for letting me share. And um, I'll be glad to hear from you.